0: Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. We have a video, and this video is one of the great moments in Canadian history. You're going to see what I'm talking about. So, anybody who watched that live? I did. Wasn't that awesome? It's great to watch it again. It kind of makes you feel like standing and singing, "O Canada or something. Now, it's over 20 years ago. The world record's been broken since then. But, you know, that was the 100th anniversary of the Olympics. So that's what they were saying is in 100 years, probably the greatest final for all the, all the, all the times and the closeness. Anyway, why do I show you that? Well, because I'm a sports fan and I like to remember those things. But the other reason is because our series is called The Race. And it's interesting that God uses in the Bible, the, the authors in the Bible who are inspired by God, use the race or a race as a picture for us as believers in our journey in this life. Isn't that interesting? Uses a race. So let me ask you a question. Um, what was it that stood out about that clip, about that time? Tell me, what makes it what makes it something worth watching? This is audience participation, so feel free, feel free, right? You can talk, you can talk. Pardon me? He came from behind. That's yes, right. He he had a slow it's his last forty meters where he was able to surge ahead. What'd you say, Richie? Yeah, it's 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 under it's under ten seconds, nine point eight four, right? It's just like that. It's actually the high that's probably the greatest event of the Olympics. The hundred meters is anticipated, and it's a ten second race. But it's so fast. The idea of the fastest human always gets us all excited. What else makes it exciting? Because he's a Jamaican Canadian. That's true. Yes, <laughs> Melanie, you're right. Melanie's right. He's a Jamaican Canadian. What else? Yeah, yeah. No, he did. I love his. That that is a famous. His his reaction, his face is famous. That's right. His excitement at winning. well sure grabs the flag yeah it's exciting what else makes it exciting pardon well it is it's the olympics it's the big time right and the olympics is greater than any other race there's all sorts of other races but the olympics mean something else what about the crowd did the crowd add anything i'm leading you now you had a thought before i said that yes yes that's right how many people watched ben johnson win in 88 i did too i remember where i was then two days later i remember where i was when i found out he was a cheat it's no good yes he wiped out the the memory of ben johnson because this was a clean runner who broke the world record yeah but isn't the crowd something did you hear the roar you hear the crowd behind these guys i don't know i mean it, it it's it's exciting it's dynamic it's it means something, isn't it? it, it it's significant. If you're those, those men, you know, they actually had three false starts before the race actually ran. And one guy, Linford, got ejected because he, he caused two of them. So they're ready to jump, right? And the reason they have false starts is they want to get an advantage, and so somebody jumps the gun. Anyway, I won't go on and on about racing. But you can see why God would use the picture of racing for... Our journey in our life. Why would he do it? Because it's it's exciting, because it requires effort, because it, it it pushes us beyond where we might be, right? I mean, it's not passive, is it? It's dynamic. And so we're going to unpack that. Over the next few weeks, our series is called The Race. We're going to take a passage in Hebrews 12. We're going to break out the parts uh, that, ex- that express what our race for God and in our Christian walk should look like. And I think you're gonna really enjoy it because there's a lot of truth there. And so let's read it this morning in Hebrews twelve and uh, and then we'll read it also in the message paraphrase. And here's what it says. Now, just before I read it, in Hebrews eleven, just for so you understand the um, the, the context, Hebrews eleven is is the, the, the kind of the hall of faith. It lists all these people who are heroes. Uh, who basically ran their lap in life and did so many great things. And so it's, it lists all these people. We're going to talk about them in a few minutes. And then it moves on here to Hebrews 12, and it says this, Therefore, so therefore what? Therefore, because of all these people that have just been mentioned who, who are amazing people of faith, who serve God, who sacrifice, who gave their lives, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those people... Is there ever opportunity for us to grow weary and lose heart? Anybody ever felt that way? Put my hand up. Yeah, right? There is. There's an opportunity always to grow weary and lose heart. But here there's a picture given to us that says, look, if you run like this, if you live your life like this, you won't grow weary and lose heart. I don't know about you, but that gets me, that gets my attention because I go, well, I don't want to grow weary and lose heart. I don't want to just give up the race. So I need to pay attention to what he's saying. Now look at the message here. I'll I'll read this to you. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. (laughs) I like that. That'll shoot adrenaline into your souls. That'll get you stirred up again. For the walk, for the for the run that you're in, and again, I I I know that there's seasons that all of us are in, and some of you right now might be in a season that, you know, you're pumped up, you're you're kind of pumped up for the race, right? You're 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 like the guys in the blocks, like, come on, let me let me get going here, let fire the gun, I want to go, or you might be maybe someone who's legging, maybe tired, maybe you felt like you ran a lap and now you're fatigued and you're like, I don't, I don't know, I, I got to get it back. How do I do that? What so wherever you're at today, God knows where you're at. And so you don't need to feel like, well, wow, I need to be all pumped up. No, you don't. Wherever you're at is where you're at. And God says, I have something for you today, wherever you're at. And I want to speak to you. I want to encourage you. I want to give you vision. And I want to help you move forward. So a little bit about the race. A little bit about the location. Some of this you may not may not know. So when this passage is written in Hebrews and all of the New Testament, running was one of the most popular games uh, events of the olympic games in fact there were some events that the only event was this one the only event was a running event one running event and people would fill the stadium to see that one event running has been long-term event in human history i mean a lot of other events have been added over time you know there's track and field there's all sorts of things high jump but running has been long-term for centuries and so they, they had what was called a stadium. Now, you might not know where the word stadium comes from because its length equaled a stadion, which was 600 Greek feet. So the, where, where we get the word stadium from is the word stadion. So they, they would make this uh, place where people met 600 Greek feet long. It was called a stadium. It was oblong, and it had a straight wall across one end. You can see the entrance where you go in. And at the other end, it was curved, and there were seats on either side for the spectators or witnesses. They're, they're pretty close to the action, aren't they? The runners are going to run down the middle. And that's your stadium. That's the context of what they're talking about here. And so they would start at the entrance. There was a square pillar in the middle. And then the judge sat at the end with, and he held the prize. So at the very end where that last exit is, the judge would stand there at the end holding the prize, whatever it was. And they would see the judge, and they would see that he was holding the prize and so, if they kept their eyes on the judge and on the prize, they would get there. You understand the context of what this is saying, so they would they would run and race each other through the stadium to the end where the judge was holding the prize, and the first one to get there would win the prize, right so that's the picture that the author of Hebrews is using to talk about. Our race in life. He's saying this is what it's like. Now, this isn't, um, uh, and actually I I talked last week from Philippians about the aspect of um, running the race, pressing on toward the goal. We'll talk more about that. But there are three things. Here's what I want to share today. There are three things we have because of this race. Everything I just described, everything, the picture that is painted, there are three things I think we have that this passage shares with us. And here's the first one. First thing we have is a goal and a purpose, a goal and a purpose. Now, if you look at that race, it's very clearly defined. And actually, if I if I was thinking of sports, that would be pretty simple. I would think this would be probably one of the simplest sports, right? Um, What do I have to do to run a race? Well, um, train, get ready. Um, And you see that guy down there? Yeah, you just focus on him. Okay, just him only. Yeah, focus on him. And then when the gun goes, or whatever it is, you just run your hardest. Run your hardest until you get done, and then you win the prize. That's the sport. Wouldn't that be easy? There's no nuances. It's not like hockey last night where the flames beat the Oilers. So good. Anyway, so it's not like that. There's lots of nuances. There's lots of of things you have to learn. But in a race, you think about it, if if this is the Christian walk, if this is what it's being related to, it's pretty straightforward. Like, It's pretty straightforward. They did run naked and that's the picture they talked about getting rid of every encumbrance, everything that hinders you, right? They did. They ran naked. And so we didn't show pictures. I'm not showing pictures in church of them running naked. But but, but there was a, a sense of really having to push in. So they had a goal and they had a purpose. I like what... Theologian um, William Barclay writes about this. He says this, Christians are not people who stroll along the byways of life in a completely unconcerned manner. They travel on the high road. They are not tourists who return each night to the place from which they started. They are pilgrims who are always traveling on the way. The goal is nothing less than the likeness of Jesus. The Christian life is going somewhere. And at each day's ending, we would do well to ask ourselves, Am I any further on? And I like the part of the tourism. See, if you think about it, if you are a tourist, you know, you stay in the hotel and you go out and you kind of foray and see some things and you go back to your hotel again. And you just kind of, you know, and if we live life like that, it's just like we, we kind of step into some things and then we step back out. And and But the person who's on a pilgrimage, they're on a journey, they're, they're going somewhere, they're trying to get to a destination And 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 they're in a hurry. Like the, the point of this is, it's not like you know the guys that win the win the race. They're not just kind of lollygagging and taking their time and stopping and you know looking at the track. And they're running. They're focused. Now I say that with all balance, right? I mean, in our lives we need to have rhythms. We need to run properly in our lives, but we do need some intensity, right? That's the point. We need intensity and so they have a, a goal and a purpose here's Philippians 3 I want to share this because Paul uses this same picture and look what he says here when it comes to the goal and the purpose he says whatever were gains to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ now think about Paul the apostle for a moment um, he was he was a very smart man and in his day you know prior to him coming to Jesus, in his day, he was trained by one of the best uh, Gamaliel in uh, Jerusalem. He was, he was a a Pharisee, a Pharisee. He was the top of the religious elite. Like in his culture, he was headed for the Sanhedrin. He was headed for government. He's a smart guy. He he had a lot to lose, in a sense, right? And he was on a trajectory. The reason that they let him go and, 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 and persecute Christians and, and get, you know, get those papers that would let him do so is because he was trusted, because he had authority. And so he said, you know, so he was on a trajectory to be accepted and to kind of be a big deal in Israel, in, in, in the Jews, right? In Judea. Well, he, he no longer was considered that way. In fact, because he was a Christian, he was the opposite. He was persecuted. He was put in jail. Um, He was not looked on by his own people, the Jews. His own people didn't look on him very well. They they were you know uh, tormenting him all the time, uh, following him around, telling people not to listen to him. And then of course the pagan nations he went to, they didn't like him either. And so he was beaten up, and he went through a lot of difficulty. So he says, look what he says though. He says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, now I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage (laughs) that I'm. You're being pretty strong that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. Look what he says in verse ten: I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. What was his number one passion? I want to know Jesus. I want to get to know him more. I consider all the position I had, all the training I had, everything else I had, nothing rubbish rejected because I want to apprehend and know Jesus and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, that I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and then to attain the resurrection of the dead. Look what he says in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this. And here's the reality for all of us. None of us are going to attain everything in this life, right? None of us are going to finish really our race of knowing Jesus because it's going to take eternity. He says, "I I haven't obtained all this. I've not arrived at my goal. And that's what they called where the, judge, where the judge was at the end with the prize. They called that the goal. So it's not like he shoots, he scores. That's what my mind would think right away. That's not what it was. The goal was who, the, the judge with the prize. That's the goal. And he says, um, one thing I do, I, don't, I haven't taken hold of that yet. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straying toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I, I last week, if, if you missed last week's message, uh, it'll be up online soon. I encourage you to listen to it because I talked about forgetting the past. I talked about new things springing up and how that looks and how God has new things for us this year. And so I encourage you to look at that. But in the context of what we were just looking at here, I just... I just think we need to see that Paul's passion was, number one, I want to know Jesus. And I want to know whatever he has for me. I want to do whatever he's called me to do, number one, number one. And everything else that is, you know, extra to that, that doesn't fit that, that actually stops me from doing that, it's gone. It's cut off. That was his perspective. I have one race. It's very narrow. It's very focused. And I'm going to win the race. I'm going to win the race. So we have a goal and a purpose. Secondly, we have an inspiration. Hebrews 12.1, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, it's interesting that Greek literature used this picture of the cloud to refer to a group of people. So it's not, it's not just used here. It's used all through Greek literature that the, cl- the cloud was people, group of people. And so what he's saying is that, that there's this cloud of witnesses. There's this group of people. And he's picturing it like this stadium that we saw earlier that all those in Hebrews 11 that we're going to talk about in a minute, all those heroes that went on ahead of him, somehow it's like they finished the race and God said, yeah, you know, go take a seat up in the stands and watch the next leg. Watch those that follow you. Now, to be honest, I don't actually believe that it's literally saying that. So I don't think I have to worry about the Apostle Paul watching me. I I honestly don't, don't think that. Some may have different thoughts, but I don't think that that's what it's saying. I think what it's saying is there's a cloud of witnesses. They, they witnessed in their own life to Jesus. They, they were ones who stood and declared their faith in Jesus. And so they are witnesses that we can look to for an example. But also, I think metaphorically, we need to consider that, that their example, that they're, in a sense, watching our race. And I think it's good for us to compare, not in a bad way, but to compare our race with theirs. To be inspired by what they did and then compare it with us. Now, we're not them. We don't live in their culture. We don't live in their time, right? But we do live in a time, and let me just say this. Some of the things I'm hearing right now that are happening in Canada, some of the laws that are coming forth now, um, this is a different time for Canada. And this is a different time for Christians in Canada. Can I just say that? It is. It's a different time. And some things we've taken for granted and some freedoms and some abilities we've had, they're being pushed at right now. And so for us to run this race that we have for Jesus, I think in the days ahead, it's going to require more for us to witness. It's going to require more courage. It's going to require more boldness. And so I think God's getting us ready for that. Can I just say that? I think it's a different day. I even, as we were starting this year, I thought about that. And, and uh, you know, as, as most of you would know, who are part of this church. You know, now I, I, I lead LifeLinks International Network. And so I was thinking about the responsibility of leading a group of churches, of leading other leaders, and of what we might face in the days ahead. And I thought, boy, this is not my dad's world, <laughs> Right? I thought of some of the things that we're dealing with now. And I thought, this isn't the world my dad lived in. And, Lord, and I feel like Lord said, no, but it's the world you live in. And I prepared you to be part of this world. And you can lead. And you can be that person. But you're going to have to stay close to me. You're going to have to stay focused. And I think, listen, church, I think where we, maybe in the past, we could say, well, you know, I can have varied interest in the sense that I can kind of play at being a Christian. And I can kind of, you know, just take it easy. I, listen, I think in the days ahead, We're going to need to be runners, all of us. We're going to need to be focused, all of us. I don't think there's room to just play around. I think God's saying, I need a people who are focused. I need a people who are willing to be witnesses, who are willing to stand, even when it's not popular anymore, even when we're looked at very differently by what we believe. I think we need to be those kind of people, and we need to steel ourselves in a good way to be those kinds of people. Let's look at some of the heroes that are are mentioned in Hebrews 11. Look at this. These are, these are some of the people. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon. I don't know about you, but if you, look, if you know the story of Gideon, it gives me great hope. Hey, aren't there people in the Bible that give you incredible hope with your faith? Because Gideon was like very faithless, wasn't he? I mean, he, he's threshing wheat, hiding out uh, from the enemy, and the angel comes to him and says, you know, kind of like, hail hey, mighty man of valor. He's like, who are you talking to? Like, I'm I'm hiding away here. And, you, you know, I encourage you, if have not read that story, read it about Gideon in the Bible because it's amazing. God gives him 300 people in the end, 300 soldiers, and he fights thousands and wins, and it's amazing. But here's what gives me hope with Gideon. Gideon lacked faith at times. Gideon felt like he was not prepared and not the best guy, and yet God used Gideon, right? Because he was willing to let god use him samson <laughs> he's in the hall of faith hello samson what do we know about samson good grief why is he listed here samson mr immoral right like he was he was a hulk of a man but man did he struggle and yet for some reason god's chosen to put him here and say yes he struggled yes he was weak in many areas and yet i used him okay wow um Jephthah, we won't go into that, but he has he had his own weaknesses. David and Samuel, David certainly had his weaknesses. We know all about them. I mean, I've 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 talked before about how I'm glad I don't live in the time when the Bible's being created because my weaknesses won't be canonized. The book of Ian, oh my goodness, Ian did that. That's awful. Thank God, right? Like I don't have all mine recorded. But I mean, we can read about David. You know, well we you know we him. Standing on the roof, looking at naked women. We read that in the Bible, right? And then we see David in heaven and go, I know what you did. No, we we won't won't do that. We won't do that. We won't do that. (laughs) Not at all. I wouldn't do that. That would be bad. And then Samuel and the prophets. These are all people listed. And let me just say something. They're great people, but they're average people. I like the way God chooses average people. And you know why I like that? Because I'm average and I'm glad he's chosen me, right? Because when we're average, we're just like, you know, God, I I don't have it all. He goes, good, because I have it all. And if you realize that, I can fill you, I can use you, I just need a willing vessel. Look what it says here. I gotta read this. This is worth reading. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Now listen to this. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. What? (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, keep torturing me, because I know that my reward in heaven will be higher. I have such an eternal vision that I actually know that the struggle I'm in right now will give me a greater reward later. So yeah, keep whipping me. I'm okay. Like, that's what it's saying. What kind of faith to see that and be willing to pay the price and go through that because you could see that the prize at the end was so great. Can I just say, I think the biggest problem for us often as Christians, this is where materialism comes in, is that the enemy sidetracks us from the main deal. And so, and then he tells us this. He plants a little seed, he says, is it really worth it? To give up this or to give up that or to really, you know, focus and give all that energy. Is it really worth it? You should enjoy yourself now because it's not really worth it. What, what does it really mean? What's it really going to be for you? Now, the good news about God is that he doesn't have a problem with rewards. You know, you, you, every, every store has a reward program now, right? I miss Canadian Tire money. Anybody else like that? I liked physical. I mean, I just need to share my heart. I, I liked physical Canadian Tire money. Now it's a card. I just think it's wrong. But anyway, um, the world is changing, folks. The world is changing. Anyway, but what I'm saying is, is every, every store has a rewards program. And what's the rewards program? I encourage you to buy there. Encourage you to, you know, uh, shop with them. Let me just say this. God has the best rewards program. See, the cool part is God doesn't expect us to do this without a reward. I mean, you read the Bible. He, he, it's not just, you know, I mean, yes, we need to serve. It's out of love for him. But he throws in. He says, you know, I'll reward you in this life and the next. If you do this for me, if you give up this for me, if you're willing to sacrifice for me, I'll reward you here and in the next life. And I challenge myself with that at times. Because then I think, hey, look, you're living for now, Ian. You're living for now. And the reason you're getting discouraged is because you're living for now. And, you know, I I like the story of the missionary who was coming home from being away on a mission trip. And in those days, he had to come back on on a boat, not a plane. And so he's coming back on a boat. And he gets off the boat. And first of all, no one's there waiting for him. Like, I don't know why, but he's just on his own. And there's some dignitary who was on the ship. The dignitary gets off. And uh, there's the bands playing and the flash bulbs are popping and the media's there. It's like, ooh, this guy, he's here, right? This big politician's here. Yay. And meanwhile, the missionary who served for years, some obscure place, struggled, did his best. is his carrying his suitcase and just kind of limping off on his own. And he has a bit of a self-pity party, And he says, where's my entourage? Where, where's, where's the people welcoming me? You know, I do all this for years, and I serve, and I come home, and no one cares. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, yeah, but you're not home yet. You're not home yet. Yeah, this is your physical life, but your home is in heaven. You haven't finished your race yet. You're not being welcomed yet. You know, I often think about Billy Graham just as an example when he ended up in heaven. I have thought about that. I thought about the stands being full for Billy Graham. Now, and not just Billy Graham, for many believers, but I, I especially thought of Billy Graham, 99 years old, millions of people ministered to, millions. You know what I'm saying? Like big life. I could just imagine when he entered heaven. <sighs> like it would be a welcome, like amazing. He's home, right? He's home. And that's what you and I need to look for. That's the commendation of the Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. Here's the prize. We live for the future. Some faced years of flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. I love this part. The world was not worthy of them. Wow. Maybe our goal should be that the world would not be worthy of us. Wouldn't that be a goal? What's your goal? My goal is that the world would not be worthy of me. That I would, that I would so honor God. That I would so lift up his standard. That I would so uh, worship him and live a life for him. That it would be way beyond what the world would ever expect. It would be way, way better. They wandered in deserts, mountains, living in caves, and holes in the ground. <laughs> These are all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us. So that only together with us. Would they be made perfect? Here's the exciting part of this. The Bible's clear that all those people in the Old Testament that were believing for Jesus to come, that that had not yet seen him, you and I get something they didn't get. You and I have a personal relationship with Jesus. You and I get to have salvation by faith through Jesus Christ. And so we need to see, not only does God have great things for us, but he's given us everything so we can run this race. You know, one of the things I want to talk about here is uh is the aspect, you know, I'm not gonna talk about it today. It's okay. Make it on the fly. I'm just deciding what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna jump forward, and I'll talk about it next week. Yeah. So the third thing, the last thing is we have a responsibility to grow. So we have we have a goal and a purpose, we have inspiration because of this race, and the last thing is we have a responsibility. To grow and to win the prize. And I think that's something, you know, if I look at my own life, I realize the times when I get casual about my growth or casual about pursuing God is when I don't see the purpose of it. Are you with me? Ever been there? Like, it's not enough purpose to say, well, you should read your Bible. You should pray. If you're a good Christian, yeah, that doesn't do it. Like, those shoulds, they don't work, right? But I find that when I'm passionate is when I realize I'm in a, I'm in a bigger picture here. God has something more for me. And, and I need, in order to apprehend what God has for me, I need to grow. I need to go deeper. And you know what it is? Sometimes the problem is we stay so safe. Hear me on this. We stay so safe there's no need to grow. I've done that in my own life. We stay so safe, so protected, so in a place where we can do everything that we need to do that we don't need to grow. I know in my own life I'm not always thankful, but often God has thrown me into things that are beyond me. It's like getting thrown off the high diving board into the into the pool. I think about becoming a lead pastor. I'd never been a lead pastor before, uh, and and didn't even feel I had the proper training. And God just threw me. I you know, He did a lot in my heart, but I had to grow. I mean, I had to learn. And even now, as leader of a network, I have to grow, right? I'm like, okay, God, I got to grow in these areas. And that's good because I have a reason to grow. So my challenge for all of us would be the need to grow comes from that bigger vision. It comes from that bigger purpose. Do you have that bigger purpose? Do you see that finish line? Do you see that race? Do you sense the need to grow? Because I believe that God wants to give you, first of all, that that purpose, that passion. And then I believe he He wants to show you how to grow. And I think, you know, I think in this year, God really has some some good things he wants to do. I look at our church and, and honestly, I believe we're at a really good moment. You know, sometimes you, you, you know, journey isn't always fun <laughs> and there's challenges, but you get to a point where you go, this really is a new beginning. There are really new things that are going to spring up in our lives this year. And I think for all of us, I want to encourage you to position yourself for, what, for your part of the race. God has a race for this church. He's going to take us into the next stage of it. But you're part of that race. And it's your personal life. It's your race with this church. And God's going to show you what it is. And I believe he's going to stretch us all. I believe he's going to stretch us all. And, and and actually maybe the prayer would be, if you want to grow, is God put me beyond put me in a place beyond where I'm at right now, may that I have to grow. That's kinda of scary. Somebody like, hey, I don't like that prayer. I don't want to pray that prayer. But maybe it would be a good thing because otherwise, what do we tend towards, church? Safety, what's known, what I can do, right? I want to stay in this place. And I think God's looking at us saying, Listen, Do you want to go on a trip with me? Do you want to run that race with me? Then open up and be open to what I might do. Open up and be open to what I might do through you this year. Open up to that new opportunity I might bring you. And maybe do something you've never done. Who knows what that might be? Maybe it's just as simple as God saying, this year I'm going to use you to reach out to your neighbors and the people at your workplace that you've never done that before. You've always struggled. But this year I'm going to take you into that place. And it's going to go deeper. Here's what. I'm going to finish with this last verse. 1 Corinthians 9:24 to 27. Do you know that not not all do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a tr- crown that will not last. You know, I looked into what this crown was. You know what it is, like a wreath. It's like a woven wreath and it like gets dry and <laughs> brittle and you can't keep it anymore like that's what it is it's like a wreath it's like you put it around your head it's like it doesn't even look good like i mean seriously it i you know you're gonna do all that for a wreath like you're gonna run and you're gonna sacrifice for a wreath i mean apparently in those days that must have been the epitome to win the wreath but it, it, he's saying they do it to get a crown that won't last it'll literally dry up and blow away but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Wouldn't it be amazing to watch the 96 Olympics? It'd almost be like, you know, yeah. uh, and somebody in the background was just kind of flailing. You know, you got the people, they're running, and then there's the guy that's last, right? It's just kind of, you know, and you're like, who's the doof, right? Like, what? Well, not going to run like that. He's not going to the, win the race, yeah. Yet sometimes, to be honest, I think that's how I've run. I mean, I wonder what God thinks. He's looking down like, he is a little unsteady right now in his run. <laughs> that's a little unorthodox style. I don't think he's going to win that way. Running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. What's he saying? He's saying, I determine that I'm going to sacrifice. That I'm going to give up things. That I'm going to be disciplined in what God calls me. So that, look what he says. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Wow. Paul's saying, I preached to all you guys. I've told you what you need to do. But if I'm not careful. If I don't stay disciplined, if I get all entitled and like, oh, I'm the great apostle Paul, you know, you need to throw money at me. Whatever. If I get all entitled, I could be disqualified. He says, I'm gonna stay lean, I'm gonna stay focused, because I want to win the win the race. So what what is God calling you, what training is God calling you to this year? See, maybe, maybe when it comes to that daily Bible reading plan, and every year it's like, oh, I need to read the Bible through. And last year I, I got all the way to Leviticus, (laughs) and then I struggled. How many people might struggle with Leviticus? Uh, You know, or whatever. Maybe this year what you need is not just, I have to do this, I have to do that. It's like, God, give me a vision of what's so important for me reading the word. Give me a vision for why I need to learn those leadership skills. Give me a vision for why it would be important for me to connect with those people. Give me a vision for the bigger picture so that it all fits. It's not just isolated, right? And where where are you currently struggling in your race? That would be my last question for you. Where where are you struggling in your race? So, next steps. A few questions. I I said there's a last question, but like most pastors, when I said I'm done, I'm not done. So, I still have several more questions. <laughs> Here here's a few questions. I I just want to encourage you to consider these. Have you embraced the goal and the purpose of your life, your Christian life? Have you embraced it? Now, if you say to me, I don't even fully know what it is, Ian. I don't know that I'm really clear on it. That's okay. The first step would be to be clear about that. The first step would be to go, you know, I think the purpose I have right now is not enough. I think my vision right now is not suitable. I think there's something bigger. I think there's something more. Then then just accept that and say, God, in this year, Show me the prize. Show me my race. Are you inspired? Or do you need the Holy Spirit to re-inspire you? You know what I like about this whole aspect of this race giving us inspiration? Is that we don't have to just fire ourselves up. I want to get myself stirred about the race. It's challenging. It's a lot of work. But I'm firing myself up. No, you know what? You need the Holy Spirit to fire you up. You need an infilling of his presence again. You need him to come and rekindle something in your heart. So that you want to run. And if you're there and you're like, I'm dry, I don't have anything for it, say, God, come again. Water my soul. Speak to me again. Wherever I'm at, whether I'm ready to run or whether I'm just even struggling to get to the blocks, Lord, you speak to me. You begin to do something to me. And lastly, are you learning how to run effectively or are you being aimless? Are you beating the air? Or are you just kinda or are you running with purpose? Are you focused?